0: Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am obviously your host, Michael Cutler. Uh, I wish you all a very happy Friday. I hope it's been a good week for you, although it's been a crazy week in terms of the news cycle, and I don't think anyone could disagree with that. Um, again, I hope you've had a great week, but we have a lot to catch up on. For those of you who are familiar with me, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent. With what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Today, that agency, uh, well, it no longer exists. They dismantled it in the wake of 9 11, uh, cut it up into little pieces, and blended it into an agency that goes by the optimistic name of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, under the past two administrations of George W. Bush and Barack Obama, I came to think of it as the Department of Homeland Surrender. But finally, uh, under the current Donald Trump administration, uh, with the able assistance of a terrific attorney general, Jeff Sessions, uh, there is a significant amount of security to be found if only, if only uh, the Congress and the Supreme Court would understand that expression that I use in my emails when I say lead, follow, or get out of the way. They've mostly been getting in the way, doing everything imaginable to obstruct the administration and its very important efforts to protect America from terrorists and criminals. It's frankly um, befuddling and frustrating, infuriating. I don't know what words I can use to describe my my rage, my frustration at the madness that we've been witnessing, and we'll get into all of that this evening. Um, If you're familiar with me, then what I'm about to say, you're familiar with. If you're new to the program, I welcome you. Please, I ask you go to you go to these websites if I can get the words out. Obviously, my own personal website is my personal favorite. That's michaelcutler.net, C-U-T-L-E-R, michaelcutler.net. Um, for years, I've been writing for an organization known as Californians for Population Stabilization, capsweb.org. I have become a columnist, a regular contributor, over at FrontPage Magazine, frontpagemag.com. I write for The Social Contract. I've been doing some blogging uh, and a significant number of television programs through the miracle of Skype mostly over at Newsmax and One American News Network uh, and also uh, over at The Blaze uh, on The Dana Show. And I love the job that Dana does, that um, Graham Ledger does, that all of those folks do course, my good friend Bill Tucker over at Newsmax. It's about getting the truth out there. And you would think that should be an easy thing to do, but increasingly it is becoming all but impossible. We are witnessing censorship on a scale that a few years ago I could not have imagined. What began as political correctness has morphed into newspeak. Um, I'm writing a major article, in fact, for the social contract. They have a quarterly journal, We're going to take a hard look at the real impact of what is often euphemistically referred to as political correctness, but quite frankly, is nothing short of full-blown censorship today. You know, the idea of being politically correct, if the goal is to not use language that humiliates or insults or denigrates, I'm all for it. I am all for it. But when we start to manipulate language to push an agenda, then we have entered the no-speak the Newspeak zone, and we're getting into censorship, which threatens our very democracy. The founding fathers understood clearly that without freedom of speech, there are no other freedoms. I know a lot of my conservative friends will tell you, well, wait a minute, you got the Second Amendment. And that's right. You do. The Second Amendment protects all the others. But the Second Amendment isn't the First Amendment. Freedom of speech is at the rock-bottom foundation. Of freedom of thought. Freedom of thought is at the rock bottom foundation of democracy and principles of democracy. George Orwell understood very clearly that if you could control language, you can control thought. In fact, in 1984, and if you've never read the book, go out and buy it. Go out and download it if you have an e-reader. It's a short book. It's a very uh, worthwhile book to read. I had to read it when I went to high school. We read it again in college. My kids were not required to read it in high school, at least not by their teachers, but I required that they read it. Um, You know, if you read 1984, so much of what we are witnessing will suddenly take on crystal clarity. There's no insult in the word alien. Not at all. It simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. But that word, creates a clear distinction between citizens and aliens. And in this globalist world, where borders are seen as an impediment to wealth and power, the last thing that the powers that be want is for the citizens of democracies to truly understand the words that relate to border and immigration enforcement because they want to move workers around the world, not unlike chess pieces on a chessboard. That's what the push is on for. It is destroying the middle class. It's destroying opportunities for America. It's getting people killed. It's providing terrorists with access to our country and other countries. It's providing gang members with access to our country. This failure at border security has been allowing a tsunami Of heroin cocaine and other dangerous deadly drugs to flow freely into the United States President Trump very properly wants to declare a national emergency over the opiate epidemic he needs to but I've said this for years that if you want to know truly how secure America's borders are ignore the arrest by the Border Patrol first of all as I said when I was on Neil Cavuto a number of years ago Trying to figure out how many illegal aliens are present based on arrest statistics is not unlike trying to take attendance by asking people not present to raise their hand. Second of all, we don't just have a problem with illegal aliens coming in from Mexico. Mexico is a huge problem. No argument. And we need to build that wall. No argument. Although tell that to some of the Democrats. But we also have a lot of people who come here through ports of entry and never go home or otherwise violate the terms of their admission. We have people running the Canadian border. We have people coming in on ships and stowing away. You have ships that are going ashore away from any seaport. Not unlike people running the border, they run the coastline, if you will, and they disappear into the night. And we live in an era of what has been called asymmetrical warfare. Now, what does that really mean? It's kind of like what used to be called guerrilla warfare, or what they referred to as saboteurs in the Second World War. ISIS and the drug cartels can't take us on in a full frontal assault. They know they'd be wiped out in a heartbeat. So they do hit-and-run tactics. They do covert operations within our borders. They blow up buildings. They stab people. They do all sorts of terrible things. But in order to get here, they have to somehow get past the border. Most of them come through international airports and get lost, but there's so many other ways of coming here. A, a long time ago, I wrote an article, and I, I said that when, when you think about the midnight ride of Paul Revere, uh, he had it pretty easy. You know, one if I land, two if I see the candles that were to be lit in the old north church. So with three candles, the two modes of entry were covered. One if I land, two if I see. If they were coming from both directions, you lit three candles, and you knew they're coming from everywhere. The ways of entering America today would require so many candles that probably the local hardware store would run out of those candles before you had enough, and if you tried to light them all, you'd probably set fire to that old north church. Getting into America is not difficult. The key is interior enforcement. That has been the key that has been neglected, and it has been particularly difficult to do interior enforcement of the immigration laws in sanctuary cities. This is a case of lunacy. But before we get to sanctuary cities, I I just want to address a major event that is occupying a lot of space on newspapers, a lot of airtime on broadcast news programs. The problem that I want to address is what we are witnessing with North Korea, and it's increasingly acrimonious threats against America, against Guam, Against, its, uh, against American allies in that region. Now, you may be wondering what immigration has to do with North Korea. We don't allow North Koreans into the United States. We don't have a problem with illegal aliens from North Korea. So you're probably sitting there saying, what is this guy Cutler thinking? Why are we going to talk about immigration if we're talking about a military problem? Now, if you're wondering, is the story and the way that it needs to be understood, but because of an agenda for globalism, pushed by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, pushed by universities, pushed by businesses and special interest groups, no one wants anyone to consider, I am about to tell you. North Korea did not develop the technology to build those rockets and build nuclear weapons by themselves. If I was a betting man, I would bet that that technology, for the most part, Iran may have had a hand in it, no argument. You never know, maybe Russia got involved. They're not our friends, not our friends. And by the way, uh, Iran, same deal as as the country that I think provided most of the technology, China, they got it here in the United States. Iran um, had their engineers trained during the Shah's regime and how to build nuclear power plants because apparently companies wanted to sell their turbines and you know the turbines that are steam powered the water gets heated by nuclear reaction and then it generates electricity and the companies that built those turbines wanted um, to have a new market so apparently we gave the technology to iran to build those turbines to build nuclear power plants the cat's out of the bag we are transferring intellectual property across the world. The United States has very strict laws that protect intellectual property, copyright laws, patent laws, strictly enforced. China could care less about laws. They don't care. Those laws to them aren't even speed bumps. They look at them as silly, and they look at us as dummies. And we have companies building their factories in China, where industrial espionage is as commonplace as the Chinese and the Russians hacking American computers. And we know they hack our computers. They don't treat us as an ally. And yet, under the Clinton administration, we gave the most favored trade status. Think about that. We opened up trade to China. We moved factories to China. And for those folks... Over on the environmental side, you know, those folks who profess to be the liberals, concerned about workers in China, the working conditions are so abysmal. They have entire families living in factories and they're working these people into the ground. And there were numerous reports about factory workers jumping out of windows because they couldn't take it anymore. They decided that death was preferable to the hellish existence they had in those factories. Now, China, very creative, they came up with a solution. You see, in the United States, there might have been a strike. There might have been demonstrations. People might have written letters to the editor. You can't do that in China. Okay. It's a communist country. For all the breastfeeding that the Reagan administration defeated communism, and meanwhile, blithely ignore Cuba and North Korea and China, what are we thinking? You think the celebration's a little bit too early? kind of like mission accomplished with George Bush landing on the aircraft carrier? I'm going to be blunt about this. You know, both parties got us into this damn mess. This isn't a left-right issue. This is about globalism and an unparalleled level of greed. So China decided, because they're, they're, they're smart, they don't want to see people jumping out the window, they might hurt other people on the ground. They, and then they got to clean up the bloody mess. Here's how ingenuity works in China. How do you think the Chinese pushed back against people jumping out of factory windows? See, in the United States, there would have been lawsuits and fights, and and eventually situations might have been resolved, or people just quit. In in China, you don't quit. You you, You don't go where you want. People don't understand what freedom means. So China put up netting to catch the bodies. How considerate. But you see, if they were as creative as, I might be. Maybe you should put up, or they should put up, trampolines. So when people jump out the window, they bounce right back through the window, and they're back at work, having had a breath of fresh air as they bounced off the trampoline. I am saying this with my tongue firmly embedded in my cheek. My outrage at China's policies towards their own citizens, to the lack of rights, to the selling of of human organs. I mean, it goes on forever. These are the people that we deal with and give the most favored trade status? Have we lost our collective minds? Karl Marx said that the capitalists will sell the communists the ropes by which the communists will will hang the capitalists. And if you haven't noticed, for decades, there's been a fire sale on rope in Washington, D.C. A fire sale on rope. The Rosenbergs were executed in the 50s for passing nuclear secrets to the Russians. Today, we have foreign students studying the STEM curriculum in the United States, over a half million foreign students studying science, technology, engineering, and math. Now, guess which country sends us the greatest number of these so-called STEM students, science, technology, engineering, and math, followed by India. Now, understand what this means. We have probably 150, 180, I don't have the charts in front of me, but it's in that range 150, 180,000 Chinese students in the United States studying to be engineers and physicists and biochemists. When a foreign student completes his or her course of study in the United States, or even during the time that they are studying, They are legally entitled to get what's known as optional practical training. They get to work for companies in the United States to get practical training. When you allow foreign nationals to do practical training in businesses that have military contracts, it becomes a very easy matter to commit industrial espionage. And we've seen this again and again and again. (coughs) And we don't learn our lessons. We don't learn the lessons. So, you have foreign students working at contractors supplying parts to the military. And all that has to happen with the, with, the, with the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of such employees, they will not say to some student, the Chinese government won't say to some student, bring us the blueprint for the F 22 Raptor. No, they, they don't do that. And they'll, they'll do it by going to the manufacturer before an airplane is given a top secret rating or whatever, or other equipment, uh, whatever the weaponry is. They'll work in the factories and they'll say, just get us the uh, the schematic for the nose gear assembly on that airplane. Get us the schematic for the hydraulic pumps that move the control surfaces on the airplane. Because if you have enough people from your country working in enough factories, all you need to do is see this as a big jigsaw puzzle. You have each person bring back one piece to the puzzle, and then you take all those pieces, you put it together, and then you reverse engineer that airplane or that tank or that whatever. Look at Chinese aircraft. How many of their airplanes, their stealth airplanes, bear a striking resemblance to American airplanes? Do you think, do you think that that's a coincidence? You know, in law enforcement, we have an expression. If you see a coincidence, look again. There ain't no such thing as a coincidence. So China gets their hands on our technology, and then they transfer it over to North Korea. Now North Korea is showing its ability to build miniature nuclear weapons and intercontinental ballistic missiles, thanks to us, thanks to American technology that got moved around the world by corporations that are more concerned with the bottom line than anything else. This is sheer madness. And I've mentioned this before, but I think it's important for me to mention it to you right now. There was a hearing held on February 24th, 1998, by the Senate Judiciary Committee on Foreign Terrorists Operating in the United States. Um, back then, Dianne Feinstein was on that committee, as she is today. And during that hearing on foreign terrorists, and by the way, that hearing was called because of two deadly terror attacks carried out inside the United States in 1993, the shooting at the CIA by a Pakistani by the name of Amil Khansi, who shot up the CIA, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. And that's something else I have to stop and make you think about. Foreign nationals. Criminals, fugitives, spies, terrorists, they have a trapdoor that they can escape through. It's called get out of Dodge. They hop on an airplane and they're in the wind. In the case of cansey given the nature of his reprehensible crimes, he was found, dragged back here, put on trial, found guilty and executed. It didn't bring back the dead. It didn't heal the wounds of those he shot. One month later, bombing at the trade center people dead more than a thousand people injured half billion dollars in damage inflicted one tower almost came down sideways it would have collided with the other tower i don't imagine the carnage the seawall that keeps the hudson river out of lower manhattan likely would have been breached this would have been a catastrophe that surpasses anything you've seen in any recent movies And yet the Clinton administration did nothing to plug that hole in that immigration system. I did my very first congressional hearing May 20th, 1997, because of those attacks. And the topic of the hearing was visa fraud and immigration benefit fraud. But that didn't stop the Clinton administration. They created something known as Citizenship USA, CUSA. They ran 1.1 million applications for U.S. citizenship through the bureaucratic meat grinder. And Doris Meisner, who at the time was the commissioner, she's now with the Migration Policy Institute, Migration Policy. It it makes me think of the swallows returning to Capistrano. Let's make this all sound as normal as possible. The tides come in and the tides go out, you know, migration. Okay. so she, as commissioner, clear that she thought her job wasn't to enforce the law, but naturalize the world. Think about that madness. So she eventually hired more adjudications officers, unskilled, didn't know what they were doing. It used to be that the only people who could adjudicate applications for citizenship were people who had worked for the INS back then, Immigration and Naturalization Service, for decades. Most of the adjudicators were members of the bar. They were attorneys, and there were good moral character investigations conducted so that if I was an agent assigned to the unit that did those investigations, it wasn't enough that an alien seeking citizenship had no convictions. If you interview the neighbors and they say, yeah, Charlie's a nice guy, except every other Friday when he gets paid, he goes to the bar, he gets drunk, and then he hangs out with all the hookers and he gets involved with those illegal card games in the back room. And when his wife complains, he's been known to beat her up and She's been in the hospital twice but never wants to report it to the police. If you had corroboration about that kind of conduct, that guy doesn't get citizenship. Why? He lacks, obviously, good moral character. He's a wife-beater, okay? But that doesn't work that way. And and so what winds up happening is is that um, now we don't care about good moral character. Not not in the slightest bit. What what winds up happening is, is we're looking at an agency out of control, and they totally ignore what the law requires. And, and it's just that simple. So we really have a, a very, very serious problem with, with this whole business because the lack of integrity of the immigration system is a reflection of the lack of integrity of our politicians. So we, we, we have Doris Meisner, who's out there, um, thinking that the purpose of immigration is let the whole world in, so her goal was to ignore those findings of that of that hearing and everything else. Don't stop the process. Keep those green cards coming. Keep those citizenship certificates coming. But I will tell you that Diane Feinstein, on that day in um, in uh, February of 1998, at that hearing about foreign terrorists operating in the United States, told um, the Congress that she had three areas of concerns. One area was the fact that we are giving visas to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. This is very much like what Donald Trump has been saying, but nobody rioted, nobody panicked. And then she said, you know, maybe we should end the visa waiver program. Well, I've been screaming about that for years, but it keeps expanding because of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. The other thing she said was, we certainly ought to rethink this notion of providing high-tech training to the citizens of countries that are our adversaries, especially if they're associated with terrorism. Now, that's not unreasonable. We have seen terrorists go to the best schools in the United States. There was a recent case that I wrote about for Front Page magazine. It was about two terrorists. And one of them had just gotten a, a, a master's, a, it was either a bachelor or a master's degree in biomechanical engineering. And he had been recruited by ISIS. If you want someone to put together a bomb, if you want someone to do some skullduggery, who better than an engineer? They are the personification of that TV show, how it works, you know, how stuff works. So here's Diane Feinstein showing some very good common sense. And this is three and a half years before 9-11, three and a half years before 9-11. We're looking at what's happening in Asia. China is giving technology to North Korea. China itself is building itself up because it is seeking to gain control over the South China Sea. The idea today is that the oceans are free for navigation. Go where you want to go. Have a nice day. It's going to get to the point that will be reminiscent, if we're not careful, and if we don't reverse this, of what happened during the Second World War when U-boats from Germany would not permit e-commerce on the high seas. And in fact, the United States, in trying to arm England and provide even just food and consumer goods to England, were, were building something like a, a liberty, they were called liberty ships. I think they were cranking out one liberty ship every 10 days. And those liberty ships basically became the the ducks in the shooting gallery. The Nazis would, would pop up in their U-boats and fire off torpedoes. Lots of people were killed on those ships. Uh, cargo was sunk. Well, we're, almost in, we're heading in that direction in the South China Sea. China has built an artificial island in the South China Sea, and they've armed it to the teeth. And they're now telling our military don't you dare come near those islands, because if you come near the island, there's going to be a problem. They've buzzed our ships, they've buzzed our planes. Those ships, in large measure, were built because they were able, China was able to get their hands on U.S. technology. We are educating our adversaries, and please make absolutely no mistake, China is not an ally, it's an adversary. It's an adversary. Why in the world would you provide technology to people that want to shoot you? You know, I mean, think about that. This is a case of lunacy. But it persists. But it persists. We need free trade. Sure thing, free trade. With free, unfettered trade, with countries that are our, not our allies, but our adversaries, we're not going to win in the long run. We will not win in the long run. It's a very dangerous situation, but a lot of it is of our own doing because of corporations looking for cheap labor. God knows we're not making enough money Our CEOs are only making $100 million a year. They're flying around in in corporate jet planes that make Air Force One look like a cattle car. But darn, we need more money. Instead of looking at America as their home country, these are international corporations. They don't care about America. They care about the bottom line. You know, I've made the point that when you look at the visa waiver program and all this other madness, the problem we have is that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and their friends in the Hotel, Travel, Hospitality, and Manufacturing Associations are far more concerned with headcounts on airplanes, headcounts in baseball stadiums, headcounts in expensive restaurants and, and theaters around the United States. They're more concerned with those headcounts than they are with body counts in the morgue. This is madness. And our government has sold out to them. They make campaign contributions that are little more than thinly veiled bribes. Think about that. So North Korea is now using basically stolen technology. Much of it originated initially in the United States and they're aiming it at us. Aiming it at us. Was this predictable? Of course it was. But when you, you know, they talk about blind greed, this is what blind greed looks like. And this blind greed ultimately can result in. You're looking at a worst case scenario for the outcome of where blind greed takes you. If you don't think long term, and I assure you, dictatorships think long term, totalitarian governments think long term, call up your local congressman. For a congressman, long-term is the next election in a year and a half. (coughs) Pardon me. For a senator, long-term is maybe five years from now, and then they're going to start to think about their re-election campaign. Long-term. When you look at terrorists, when you look at totalitarian countries, long-term is decades and generations. They truly have the long view down the road, and we are myopic. America is myopic. Because politicians are looking to the next election. Corporations are even worse. They're looking at the next earnings statement. That's how we got into this mess. There is no long-term strategy. It's only, how much money can I get between now and the next earnings statement? Because we've got to make the stocks go up. But that's what drives your train. That train is going to get derailed at some point. It's, the wheels are coming off the track right now. So, that is the nexus, folks, if you were wondering, between immigration and North Korea. The fact that we have allowed a transference of our technology, including nuclear technology, rocket technology, it's in the wind, gone. In the old days, people got executed for sharing that stuff. Today, it's shared <laughs> in the name of international trade. International trade. I really want to think about Level of betrayal by colleges that just want to fill their classrooms, by corporations that want to fill their bank accounts, and by politicians, well, you know what they're full of to begin with anyway. Sanctuary cities. Again, that very name is a classic example of Orwell. When I think of a sanctuary, I think about a place of serenity, peace, security, warmth, babbling brooks, tweeting birds, and a clear blue sky. Sanctuary cities should actually be referred to as magnet cities, and boy, what they attract. Our immigration laws are not, are, have nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. Title 8, United States Code, Section 1182. And if you go to my article at Front Page Mag, you can read all this. And, and that's so important because this is why I'm thrilled that I do have an opportunity to write for Front Page, to write for Caps Web, to write for the Social Contract. What I wanted to do is obviously read the material. And then forward it, whether through social media, post the links, email, make a phone call when you're sitting down with your friends, fill them in, fill them in, because there is so much nonsense being spewed by the media. They won't use the word alien straight out of Orwell. Anybody who says we should secure the borders gets a title. And the title that you get is not very flattering. You're called anti-immigrant. If you dare suggest that we need to make certain that criminals don't come into the United States, you are branded anti-immigrant. On the other hand, if you say that aliens who are here illegally and commit rape and murder, but nevertheless, they have family here, we can't deport them, they should be called anarchists, but they're called pro-immigrants. And because we're a nation of immigrants, quote unquote, if anyone dares suggest otherwise, then... People look askance at you and they say, my God, that man's a bigot. Well, I do have a problem with bigotry. I have a problem because I am biased against criminals. I don't care what their race, religion, ethnicity is. Don't care. If you are a criminal, if you are hurting innocent people, you are a problem. And as an agent, I had the privilege of arresting people like that. Lots of people like that. I only wish I had the opportunity to rest even more, but you can only work so many hours in a day. This is crazy stuff that's being foisted on us, and I think the American people are finally trying to understand it. They're trying to make heads or tails of it, and that's what I'm trying to do with my program. When you hear mayors of sanctuary cities tell you, if we enforce immigration laws with ICE, with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Aliens who fall victim to criminal activity, to crimes, they're assaulted, rape. they won't come forward. It makes us less safe. We can't cooperate with immigration because people will not talk to our police officers. Folks, it's a lie. And it's not just a lie because I said it is, it's a lie because that was what I experienced when I was an agent. For half my 30-year career, I was assigned first to DEA intelligence for about four and a half years. And then for the next 10 years or so, I was assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force as a senior special agent. I had desks at the FBI and DEA and ATF. I worked intimately with the New York City Police Department, Nassau County, Suffolk County, State Police, you name it. I worked with the foreign governments of Israel, Canada, Great Britain, got an award from the government of Japan. And I will tell you that one of my key responsibilities as an immigration agent on the drug task force as an immigration agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of the Drug Enforcement Administration was to use my authority as an immigration agent to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses within ethnic immigrant communities. They didn't run from me, they were happy to see me because if an alien fell victim to a crime, we were happy to provide that alien with lawful status if they helped us with an investigation. Now, the criminals didn't want to see us, and that's a good thing. The other advantage you have when you do that is if you're doing an investigation with the police. And let's say you're raiding a brothel or you're raiding a a drug location. And there were people there that don't appear to be prostitutes at at the house of prostitution at the brothel. What you did find, though, a lot of illegal alien men would be frequenting those places. Friday night, we would go out. We would gain entry into these brothels. Many of the women were here illegally. Some had been prostitutes for many years. Some of them had been coerced into it, were freaking out and were thrilled that we came to rescue them, and indeed, we rescued them. Uh, we, We were trying to end all that abuse and all the spread of disease and exploitation that went on with all these places. But by going after the illegal aliens who were the clientele We would deport them. So suddenly, illegal aliens who were going to the brothels said, you know, we better stay away from that place. Maybe we want to have a little fun for that hour or two, but it's not worth the risk that an immigration agent might arrest me. So guess what? By working in a concerted effort with local law enforcement, working with public morals, we were shutting down brothels, drug locations, and illegal gambling houses, deterrence through enforcement. It worked. Very effective. We were able to get a handle on what was going on. So that's item number one. Item two, when you can say to somebody, if you cooperate, we can help you to stay here. My friends at the FBI, DEA, ATF, they all said the same thing. They said, you know, Mike, our incentive that we provide people to come forward is money. And the FBI probably has the deepest pockets of any agency you could imagine. Well, although DEA did pretty well in the money department also. I mean, serious money. You know what they told me? And they told this to my other colleagues from the INS. As much money as we can give informants, your ability to allow an alien to remain legally in the United States if they cooperate with us is an even stronger incentive. Believe it or not. And since I, I left and they started this program while I was still an agent, there are now specific visas that can be given to aliens who are either victims of crime or who become cooperating witnesses and informants. I did a congressional hearing about this back in 2004. It was a hearing about alien smuggling. We also got into this issue about developing intelligence, and you need informants to develop intelligence. How do you develop informants? You provide a visa to an illegal alien and you tell that alien, yep, you're here illegally, but your information is so important to us, we'll let you stay here. And if you really hit a home run for us, you can bring your wife and your five kids here and they could stay here forever, but you got to help us. Could you imagine the incentive that that creates, especially during a time when the immigration laws were being enforced? Today, If you offer to let an alien stay here, at least under the Obama administration, it's like offering someone ice in the wintertime if you provided the water in the bucket. Not so much under this administration, though, because suddenly people who are here illegally are coming to understand that they can't go to sleep at night, confident that they won't be found the next day and deported. And that's a good thing. Otherwise, why bother with an inspection process at the port of entry? We spend over $14 billion each and every year on customs and border protection, and two of their primary missions, besides collecting tariffs and duties on goods brought into the United States. But from an immigration perspective, their job is interdiction and the inspection and admissions program conducted at ports of entry. In fact, for the first four years of my career with the old INS, beginning in 1971, I hate to admit how long ago that was, And then when I look in the mirror and see all my gray hair, I realize how long ago it was. But for the first four years of my career with the INS, I was an immigration inspector assigned to John F. Kennedy International Airport. And by the way, when they tell you that pro-enforcement, if you're in favor of enforcement, you're anti-immigrant, I can't tell you how many immigrants I admitted into the United States with their immigrant visa packets in hand, and we were happy to give them their alien cards. In those days, they got them right away. Now they're mailed to them after they get to their destination. But it was a thrill. I admitted political refugees. And back then, it was a polit—it was a thrill. We weren't worried about people killing us if we made a mistake. And the vetting process, um, we were doing a lot better than we are today. Because now we're dealing with terrorists who come from countries that won't cooperate with us. There's no databases. There's no way of knowing who they are. But again, the big difference back then, People that got in, if they were bad guys, were generally running from law enforcement, like the Nazi collaborators. I I was happy to help with that in a couple of cases. But they weren't about to kill somebody in the United States. Today, if we make a mistake, people will likely die. This is a big difference. Nobody wants to talk about that difference either. So you have inspectors at the airport. You have the Border Patrol trying to make sure that everybody who gets... Uh, near that border enters through the border so they can be screened. When you hear Senator Menendez from New Jersey describe the wall on the border as a wall of hate and says, if you build that wall, it will turn off commerce. How? How? The wall isn't going to be built across the port of entry. It will just make certain to funnel all traffic into the ports of entry. You believe that's going to stop commerce? The only commerce, and you have to ask Mr. Menendez why this is of concern to him, is illegal commerce, illegal aliens, narcotics, okay? Yeah, that industry is going to get hammered along the border, I assure you. As I said at one of the hearings, the immigration system is a balloon. It's a sealed system. If you squeeze in one place, it's going to bulge somewhere else. So that's obviously a problem. But to say that building a wall will stop commerce is another one of those lies. It's another lie. Wall of hate? How is it a wall of hate? If you could stop human traffickers from moving people across the border, the women are being raped. Many young women, if they are planning to come here with the help of a smuggler, most young women will tell you. When I've I've arrested them, I've asked them. I said, is it true? And they said, yes. You know what the question was? Is it true that before you began your trek north to get to that U.S.-Mexican border, did you take birth control pills? And almost every young woman would say to me, yes, I did. Do you have any idea why those young women take birth control pills months in advance of their trip to the United States if they're coming illegally? Well, the answer is disgusting. It's despicable. It's sickening. Because typically, young women, if they're attractive at all, or not even attractive, these people are animals, the traffickers, will gang rape the women. I've been down to the border where you see something known as the rape trees. The rape trees is where the smugglers throw the women's panties up on the tree as a trophy. Look what we did. Some of these women are so brutalized that they can't have kids. They're forever scarred, forever harmed. You want to stop that kind of trade, and and yet we're the bad guys for wanting to bring that to an end. Sanctuary cities not only shield illegal aliens from detection, but by not giving ICE agents access to smuggled aliens, those ICE agents can't build cases against the human traffickers. Sanctuary cities not only harbor illegal aliens and shield illegal aliens, they shield human traffickers. You're not going to hear that on the evening news. Of course you're not, because the agenda is keep that cheap labor force coming. Let's see how low we can drive down the wages. When you bring in desperate workers from third world countries, they bring with them, besides the meager clothing on their backs, and maybe the load of dope they were coerced into bringing with them across the border, they bring with them third world expectations of wages, and third world expectations of working conditions. And when you bring in enough such workers, that, folks, becomes the new standard across America. We are slowly but inexorably creating or changing America into a third world country. When Mr. Obama said, change has come to America. That's the change that has come. When Alan Greenspan testified before Chuck Schumer's Senate Immigration Subcommittee, April 30th, 2009, about comprehensive immigration reform, he said that one of the key issues was to do what Bill Gates of Microsoft wanted, and that's basically to have an unlimited number of H-1B visas, which was also part and parcel of the bill. Most people don't realize it. It's something Ted Cruz wanted. Cruz wanted a five-fold increase in H-1B visas. I believe that the Comprehensive Immigration Reform Act called for a threefold increase. I could be getting it backwards. Whether it's threefold or fivefold, we need to eliminate any program <clears throat> that brings in foreign workers when American workers are ready, willing, and able to do the damn job. And Greenspan said that we need to bring in many more foreign workers, and we need to stop shielding Americans. God forbid we look out for Americans, folks. You know why? Why? Because he said, if we're going to attain wage equality, is that term, right? We hear it all the time, wage equality, then we need to make American workers compete with workers from other countries to drive down their artificially inflated wages. And he said, then if we did that, we could get rid of that wage premium the highly skilled American workers are earning. And in this term, highly skilled refers to people with graduate degrees. And we come full circle to STEM People, computer programmers, engineers, technologists, and so forth, if we make them compete, they, they get rid of that wage premium, then you will greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. In other words, whether you dropped out of high school or you have a PhD, if Greenspan gets his way, there will be scant difference in the wages they're paid folks. That's called communism. But meanwhile, Mr. Greenspan lives extremely well. From what I understand, he has a beautiful estate in the Hamptons. God knows how many millions of dollars, but he lives well because he's Alan Greenspan and you're not. He's Alan Greenspan and you're not. What is happening in America today is that instead of Mexico looking to America as its role model, America is looking to Mexico as a role model. They are envious in Washington and in the corporate boardrooms around America. There's a lot of envy over the oligarchy of Mexico that controls the great majority of the Mexican wealth. Mexico has a very vibrant economy, hardworking, industrious people. I had informants and people who cooperated with me over the years who were Mexican uh, one guy, his name was Juan. I'm not going to go beyond that. Not, not an unusual name. I helped him get his citizenship. He was very helpful to us. And he was a hard-working, honest guy. But these guys don't stand a chance in the oligarchy that is Mexico. In Mexico, $4.50 is not the hourly wage, but the daily wage for high-paid factory workers. Think about that. Four fifty, not an hour, but per day. And I will tell you, companies in America that would give anything if they could get away with paying four fifty a day to American workers. That is why they want to flood America with cheap labor, $4.50. Of course, again, myopia. They need eyeglasses. What they're not seeing is long-term. If you destroy the middle class, you destroy the consumer base that's been buying the garbage they've been cranking out. But who cares about that? Between now and then, as long as the earnings statements go up, everyone's happy. We'll worry about that in three, four, five, eight years whenever that happens. Short-sighted, greedy, and stupid. That's the average CEO that pushes to bring in more workers and basically stabs American workers in their backs. Donald Trump has been trying to reverse this trend. Jeff Sessions, when he was a member of the United States Senate, chair the Immigration Subcommittee on Immigration and the National Interest. The national interest, what's best for the American citizen? Do you want to know why there's panic in Washington? Do you want to know why the politicians from both sides of the aisle are at war with Donald Trump? He's a populist. When they take on Trump, he's the proxy for us, we the people. He's the guy that says, no, we got to stop these corrupt practices. You have CEOs that would love to get away with paying American workers $4.50 a day. Trump stands between them and that vision. This is a level of betrayal and greed that I think is probably unparalleled in the history of the United States. Look at the damage it's doing. So when you see this nonsense about how police can't cooperate with immigration because then aliens won't come forward, it's a very big lie, and I lay it out in my article. The title of my article, by the way, folks, Sanctuary Cities Betray America, Americans, and Immigrants. Of course, is a variant of the quote from John Adams, facts are stubborn things. And that's why there's no debates on college campuses. They need safe spaces. Why? Because they can't handle the truth. Because if there was an honest debate, their so-called facts would evaporate, would melt like Frosty the Snowman on an August day. So what's the solution? Shut down debate. What's the solution? Use deceptive language. Beat up on anybody who would dare suggest that we look out for America's poor. Beat up on anybody who would dare suggest that we provide real opportunities for American children, especially kids living in poverty among America's minority communities where the poverty is grinding beyond words. Violence, poverty, the cycle never stops. What are we offering? How are we breaking the cycle? We're not, we're not. So really what what I'm asking you to do is readjust your thinking. Readjust your thinking. And when someone starts spouting this nonsense that they've been seeing in the mainstream media, stop them. Peacefully, peacefully educate them. Ask them to go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Ask them to go to Newsmax and look at the videos of my interviews. Ask them to read what I've written in the social con- contract, capsweb.org, front page max. I've been working at this since 9-11, since those ashes landed on my home on that god-awful day, September 11, 2001. My rage has only gotten worse, not better, because year after year after year, the politicians who took an oath to defend America, to defend the Constitution, and to defend the American people have failed to live up to that oath. They could care less. Just give them their campaign contributions, Promise them blocks of votes, and they're happy because they're living high on the hog. They're living high on the hog. Remember, there's always room for more oarsmen on a slave ship. That's the principle behind what we're witnessing, a level of unbridled greed, even as the existential threats to America and Americans ramp up. Iran, cartels, ISIS, never mind. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving. Keep moving. Well, I hope you won't keep moving. I hope you will pay attention. I wrote an article where I quoted uh, the late, great Terry Anderson, Los Angeles radio talk show host. We became friends. I had the privilege of being on his show uh, at least a few times. I also shared the podium with him at some public speaking events. And uh, Terry Anderson's personality was as big as as he physically was big. He was a big, powerful guy, and he used to belt out the statement, if you ain't mad, you ain't paying attention. You should be really, really mad. I am. And as I told Jim Sensenbrenner, who at the time was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I said to him, Mr. Chairman, if I can't sleep at night, sure as hell, I don't want you sleeping at night. Well, I don't want to deprive you folks of your night's sleep, but I also want you to sit and help out. I want you to get your voice heard. Have these conversations with your neighbors. Stand your ground when someone argues with you and tries to insult you. Don't back down. I'm not telling you to be physical. That's the last thing I want. The First Amendment is about peaceable. I emphasize peaceable assemblage. But don't roll over and play dead. We're in the middle of a crisis. This great nation has withstood worse since its founding. But more than ever, we need as Americans to find those things that make us most similar, not to look for those things that divide us. E pluribus unum should really be our goal out of many, one. One great nation. And in that regard, I ask you to get involved. And, and you know what I always like to say at the end of my programs, folks? You know. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Check out my articles, pass them along to as many folks as you can, become part of my bucket brigade of truth, and um, we'll take it from there. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Uh, next week, I believe that I will be taking a break from uh, this uh, broadcast chair, but I will be back the week afterwards. But I am very much looking forward to uh, for seeing you, but meanwhile, check out my website, michaelcutler.net, and have a wonderful weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Good night for now.